Welcome to EG's Voice of the Region. I'm Jim Larkin. I'm a regional researcher with EG. And once again, I'll be getting the lowdown on the commercial real estate market in a particular region of the UK, with my tour guide being an agent currently flying high in the radius under my rankings. Uh, this time, we are off to Green and Pleasant Wiltshire, where Middleton and Major finds itself way out in front in terms of deal numbers across the county. Uh, so I'm pleased to be joined by its commercial partner, Dean Spear, who, by the way, is also in the top five for individual deal makers across the whole of the Southwest. So, Dean, hello. Afternoon, Jim. Hi. Now, um, it's fair to say I think Middleton and Major is pretty well established. It's kind of was set up in Salisbury in 1903. Um, if we fast forward to 2021, where's the company at in terms of the range of services you offer and how big is the commercial team there now? So the commercial team here in Salisbury is about 10 or 11 of us altogether, um, divided pretty equally between our commercial agency uh, uh, team, made up myself, Philip Holford, uh, Gary Mead and Simon Lee. Um, we're doing business space, retail, investment development uh, deals right across Wiltshire, but also into Hampshire, Dorset, Somerset. Um, and then we've got a separate management team of about five guys who, again, deal with property at a much wider field than that, as far as depths of Cornwall, bits of London, up into the Midlands, all over the place with different clients. So quite a wide range. Cool. Okay. Um, and what's your background? When did you come on board and what were you doing before that? Well, I've been working here in Salisbury for 32 years in total right. now. Okay. Um, started off as a trainee surveyor, went to day release, got qualified, uh, and I've been at Middleton and Major since 1996. So, um, yeah, been here a while. Excellent. Okay. Um, now, it's also worth mentioning for people that don't know the area, um, you must be in the running for having one of the most picturesque offices in, in all of commercial real estate. You're almost kind of literally in the shadow of Salisbury Cathedral, um, and you've got this, you know, quite spectacular medieval city gateway next to you. It must be a nice place to work. It, yeah, we are rather spoiled. Uh, <laughs> so it's, a, it, it's, it's a lovely spot here. My bay window looks down the high street. Uh, we can be... Uh, yeah, we're literally two steps into Cathedral Close. We, we are we are very fortunate. Good stuff. OK, now um, it's been a funny old year, <laughs> to say the least, um, but you've managed to transact 111,575 square feet across 49 deals, which is good going. Um, how have things been and how does that compare to a normal year? <clears throat> If anyone can remember what one of those is like. Yeah, when, when's a normal year? Well, um, we, I mean, I think probably in terms of overall uh, volume, it is still a bit down on, on before. But um, obviously, we're involved in a lot of different scale uh, transactions. Any, anything from, you know, 1,000 square foot units up to, you know, 100,000 square foot. So a whole range. Um, of course, you don't need to learn many 100,000 square foot units to get, get a big number. <laughs> But, you know, 47 transactions so far this year just on the industrial side is quite uh, is, is, is quite a lot. So we do a lot of schemes. Uh, we've had a scheme uh, of about 30 units up at Solstice Park over the last couple of years. We've worked our way through. We've got a 29 unit scheme, which is predominantly under offer already. New scheme coming out the ground in Salisbury. So lot, lots of that type of work for development clients. Units we're selling and then quite a few investor purchases, which we're then letting for them. So plenty of that. Um, so the predominant sector that's busy, as everyone will find at the moment, is industrial, plenty of demand for industrial, shortening of supply um, and, uh, and you know, r rising values, really, on, on the back of that. Um, 
offices is pretty thin still, I'm afraid, but we are beginning to see a glimmer of hope in more requirements coming through as businesses sort of now start to settle what they think their, their requirements are going to be for the future. Um, not, not a big bounce on the supply side, interestingly, uh, at the moment. I'm sure there'll be a bit more to come, but we're generally finding that the, uh, the, the occupiers are starting to go, right, OK, yeah, we know that we're going to be mainly back in the office, probably. It's going to be a bit of more flexible working, but I think a lot of firms are realising that you know, that's OK up to a point. <clears throat> um, so I think we're beginning to see that, which is good. Um, and the retail sector, which we're very strong in, um, and we do that not just here in Salisbury and Wiltshire, but also down into the Southampton Conurbation, down into Bournemouth, bits and pieces for various different clients. Um, that's been very active, really encouraging. And the void rate here in Salisbury is now dropping quite quickly. So I think we were about 11 or 12 percent. I think it's down to about 8 percent now. And we've got you know, quite a few things in hand and interesting inquiries. So that's really encouraging bounce back, really. OK, good stuff. <clears throat> okay um what would you say just kind of talking about wiltshire specifically what would you say is its usp um what's it kind of offering occupiers that, that perhaps you know they can't find in say hampshire or dorset well that's a good question i suppose um uh, i mean a lot of our businesses are homegrown businesses so when you look at the kind of businesses that are here we don't get very many that migrate from other areas oh we're going to move to wiltshire it doesn't tend to happen like that so a lot of the businesses we deal with have started here, grown, developed, and and uh, and become larger. Um, and, and there are lots of relatively small businesses too. That's still quite a key part of the uh, part of the the, you know, the the business scene, really. So I think we probably don't quite have the connectivity of some of those other centres. You know, Southampton M27, you know, is great. The 303 is pretty reasonable running across the top, but it always gets a bit sticky around Stonehenge. Um, Salisbury, you know, just off of those routes, but we are into Waterloo on the on the main line, so that's that's quite good for that. But I think it's you know it's a great environment that people like to live and work here, and I'm always surprised at the number of um, business owners I come across of very substantial businesses who actually live in this area. Not they may their business name may not be based here at the moment, but quite often you come across a lot of substantial business owners. You think, oh, they, he lives here. That's really interesting. Um, because I think we're just that bit out of London that you're connected enough, but you're not too close. Um, these aren't people who are commuting. Um, and so you tend to you get some interesting, interesting. And I think they see the quality of the, of, of the area. And we've also got some other great things. So, you know, um, something it's going to be developing over the next coming years is the, all, the, the, all the sort of life sciences around Porton Down. Obviously, we had our rather famous incident um, a couple of years ago. Um, I was going to come on to that in a bit. <laughs> um, but um, uh, it was convenient. The Porton Down was on our, our, our doorstep. But uh, but the new life sciences part that's being developed there through Wiltshire Council and the LEP um, is going to grow and, and that's going to draw in more of that type of activity. Um, and you've got Kinetic at Boscombe Down doing you know, high quality engineering. So there's a, there's, a, there's a whole sort of collection of interesting other things going on around here um, as well. Yeah, I mean, I was going to mention that you kind of it's tempting to look at a map of Wiltshire and you see Salisbury at, at the bottom, Swindon at the top. And in the middle, it looks like everything's basically the army. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's pretty much you, yeah, that's pretty much sums it up. You know, and actually, you, we do have quite a, uh, a, 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 you know, a, a separation between north and south, mm. here, which is mm. the plane. Uh, a, it's a big area with not a lot in it apart from people shooting stuff. Um, <laughs> and B, actually, there aren't many good roads across it. You sort of have to go round it. 
Mm. Um, you can go across, but it, you know, it's, it's, always, it's, it's, it's not a great route, not a way where you would take um, you know, large amounts of transport. So the A303 obviously runs across the top uh, through the middle here, just under the Salisbury Plain, going east-west, providing good communications that way. And then the other rail route is the A36, which comes from Southampton and goes through to Bristol. Salisbury conveniently sits just off the junction of those two. And we'd see that as our axis of operations, really, because it takes us east and west, you know, effectively north and south. Um, so we don't tend to go up to Swindon because there are guys who cover that area and it's a pain to get to. But we go a lot up into Westwell. So Warminster, Westbury, Trowbridge, that patch is quite an area we do a lot in. And then out into Froome, into Somerset, down to sort of Wing Canton that way. Um, so that's our sort of area. And we've got an office in Andover as well. So we, we've picking up business going in the Andover direction and, and into the edge of Hampshire from that. Cool. Okay. Um, you kind of touched on this with the port and down stuff, but does the army having such a big presence there, does that attract commercial occupiers who might specialise in, you know, uh, technology or services for the military? Yeah, we do get quite a lot of that. Um, the scheme we recently did up at Amesbury um, has got probably five or six occupiers who are very much supplying services into the military estate. Um, we've done a number of lettings and sales up there to occupiers who, who are, are very much involved in that. As the, um, the requirements of the services have evolved, they seem to be outsourcing much more of that sort of training mm. and, and, uh, and also how the yeah, provision of some of the services. So they're keeping a the core of the actual fighting soldiery, but a lot of the sort of subsidiary activities are being um, you know, contracted out into the private sector. And there's a lot of that here, whether they're supplying as a training, developing products, lots of interesting stuff going on around here and def definitely a big draw. And also the impact that the um, the presence of the numbers of military personnel have on this area. So mm. along that, along the 303 there by Stonehenge, you've got Lark Hill, um, Durrington, Bulford, Tidworth. You know, that's the sort of big centre and all the all the um, ex uh, service personnel that were in Germany have all been brought back there and the MOD's just built two and a half thousand new houses. Wow. <laughs> yeah, very, yeah. very quick. Um, yeah. And they're going to be spending their money somewhere. But yeah, no, so, that, so that's created not only obviously a, a, a permanent pool of people who are now going to be based and they're not moving them around like they used to do, so they can be based here permanently. Um, so you've got a pool of labour, people leaving the, you know, the military, families who, you know, other halves who are going to be, who will be looking for work. Um, and uh, and obviously a uh, spend into the local economy from that that impact of all those extra personnel. Excellent. Okay. Uh, right. If we could talk retail, um, it's kind of been a tough sector everywhere. But um, Salisbury has not just had to deal with the pandemic and the associated acceleration in online shopping. Um, you also had the Scripal poisonings um, yes. in 2018, um, and that kind of saw quite a large part of the city centre basically closed off for three months or so. Um, how difficult did that make things in terms of footfall, um, and how long did it take for things to return to some sort of normal? So um, wearing my other hat as a uh, vice <laughs> chair of the Salisbury Business Improvement District, uh, right. I'm uh, quite keen, keen, we're quite keen to stop talking about um, uh, novel shop really. But, yeah, fair enough. Uh, I mean, it, uh, undoubtedly, yeah, it had a significant impact, but probably relatively short term on the city centre. Clearly, you know, when it was all going on, they were sticking up barricades and stuff um, all over the place. But when it once it had immediately settled, it only really affected some relatively small spaces and everything else carried on as normal clearly there was a fear of people worrying about coming into the city what was going on and what it meant 
Um, but I think within about within about um, six, nine months, that had all sort of stabilised out. It took them a while to get everything sort of sorted out and everything's back to normal now. And there's no sort of lasting legacy issues from that point of view. All the premises that were affected were reopened and then sorted out. I think we're, 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 we're pretty much back where we were by comparison to everywhere else, because obviously everywhere else is down, mm. but we're, we're following the sort of national trends on that. So I don't think we've had any really lasting impact. And with everything else that's gone on, it feels like a very long time ago now already. Mm. Um, we, it, I don't think we lost any occupiers because of it. Um, we, uh, we, but there was a bit of fear at the time from some uh, prospective tenants about whether or not they, you know, they should come here. What's going to be happening, you know, in, in the immediacy? But sub subsequently, that's not not really been a concern. And as I was saying before, we've really seen quite strong bounce back in the um, in the actual uh, take up of vacant units that have been, you know, have naturally been coming up as a result of what's been going on. And to be honest, okay, we've lost a few bigger occupiers like Debenhams and top shop but they've gone not because they were in Salisbury they've gone because mm. they're everywhere um and there are some encouraging signs of things happening there which uh, as i say vacancy rates are falling i did see some numbers um put out by, i think it was ipsos back back about a month or so ago where they you know Salisbury was sort of on the, on the top of the sort of bounce back numbers of, of similar scale towns so that was really encouraging yeah. No, I mean, looking at the deals you've done, um, you've done quite a few city centre retail deals. Has that kind of surprised you how quickly it seems to have bounced back? I, I think it has surprised us somewhat, but I think that um, what's encouraging is there are lots of new and independent businesses. There are some you know, multi-occupiers, um, but it's, it's, it's going to be a very different flavour to town centres. I think this is, people are seeing this in most places and we're going to be losing that, oh, everywhere looks the same, I think. You know, because you had the same names over the same frontages every town you went to. Mm. Uh, but there now seems to be much more of a flavour of, of, of a mixture of different uses and, uh, and and actually a little bit going back to some of the ways things were. People want some stuff a bit more local they can go to. And we've just got a letting to a fishmonger. When was there wow. a, new, a new fishmonger? <laughs> um, actually, helpfully, in Fish Row. <laughs> And, but, you know, so Loke, the shoemakers, they've just taken a unit here. Um, we've got a really nice uh, wine specialist wine bar just opened in the high street where Cafe Rouge used to be. Um, there are lots of those requirements from barbers and nail bars and all those sorts of things, which we see everywhere. But, um, but generally speaking, there's some interesting new occupiers coming in, and I think that's great for the city. Yeah, there do seem to be much more independence springing up, which is healthy because it actually gives you a region to a reason to you know leave one town and visit another rather than yeah. you know them all yeah. being identical. Absolutely, yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Um, now, like a lot of cities, uh, you mentioned it there. I think you've got massive former uh, Debenhams and also a BHS. Um, are there yeah. kind of plans afoot to develop those? And if so, what do you do? You know what what they've got in mind? Well, the BHS, um, I'm not involved in that scheme, but uh, work is actually underway on it at the moment. And I, there, there are rumours that there is a certain large retailer coming into that that's, um, that's, uh, that's very familiar from other cities. <laughs> it will be quite encouraging. And they're doing work to, on that building as we speak. Um, the Debenhams um, is a bit more uncertain, but it's actually... And it's, this is public knowledge. It's owned by a um, small department store uh, operator from Romsey and Southampton called Bradbeers. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, they actually bought that investment a few years ago. 
and uh, they are, have been suggesting that they are, are thinking of opening themselves. And that would be a really that would be a really good thing for the city. It would be a, they're a really good quality independent uh, operator, um, and um, that would that would be nice to see. Okay, good stuff. Fingers crossed. Okay, um, now back in May, I think it was announced that Salisbury was receiving almost 10 million from the government's Future High Streets Fund. Um, have you seen much evidence of that being spent so far? Um, and what sort of things would you like to see it spent on? Well, um, it hasn't been spent yet because it's still in the planning stage. I, okay. was, uh, I was at a um, Salisbury, we had a meeting last weekend, public meeting last weekend organised by the um, Civic Society and the RSA brought together five organisations, including the bid of which I'm a representative, um, to go through some of the things. It was called Salisbury Recovery. And one of the things they talked about was this, this High Street Funds money. They've got three areas they're allocating it to. One is a significant improvement and enhancement of our station, which is it's a lovely old um, you know, GWR building, but all, all the area around it is awful. Um, so they want to make, really make a sort of the whole frontage of that improve, make much improve the visitor experience because a lot of people come to Salisbury by train and then, and then they need to find their way into the city. And the way they find their way into the city is to walk along what's called Fisherton Street, which is the main road that runs out of the city uh, and links to the station. And it, it's really a secondary shopping street, lots of little local shops, all sorts of different things, but bars and restaurants included. But it's a bit tired. So they want to enhance the station, enhance that visitor experience as you come into Fishing Street with you know, widening the pavements, narrowing the roads, improving all the, all the um, street furniture, all that kind of thing. And they want to put a bit of money into trying to uh, model uh, reuse of some of these upper parts in the, lots of these old historic buildings that really ought to be uh, accommodations. So they're going to do a bit of work on that as well. So it's going to be happening over the next couple of years. It's, mm -hmm. The planning applications are due, I think, in the spring. Okay. Um, yeah, you mentioned visitors there. Um, I think Salisbury is, I don't know how to what extent, it's reliant on tourists, but you get a lot of them. Um, what with, you know, the cathedral and Stonehenge nearby. Um, uh, I guess international visitor levels have completely dropped off these past couple of years, but has that kind of been compensated for by more UK visitors? I haven't seen any stats, but anecdotally, I would say it has. The town was very busy this summer with uh, with visitors, and you said the majority of those are going to be, you know, staycation people. Mm. Um, absolutely, it's been a very, you know, we, we rely on our tourist trade significantly. Um, I think about two and a half million visitors a year coming into the city. Um, the cathedral is a big draw. People going up, coming in, doing a day trip of the cathedral, Stonehenge, um, sometimes on to Bath. Um, so those are those are you know there are big draws, um, and I think that will continue, and hopefully we'll start to see the the overseas tourists coming back again as restrictions begin to ease. But certainly there've been large numbers of, uh, of UK visitors, that's for sure. Sure. Okay. Um, do you think a kind of more developed nighttime economy might help them? So you know, instead of doing day trips, it might make them stay for you know two or three days or whatever. Uh, that that has been a strategy to try to improve the um, the the overnight accommodation offer. Um, mm. We've got a a, a prelet arranged with a hotel operator for an eighty bed unit on a site in Fishton Street, which we're hoping now will start getting going again. Now things are opening up, so that would be a, a big part of the new offer for that. Um, We've lots of pubs and restaurants and cafes and places here. Um, we're probably a little bit short on decent night 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 life you know um but uh, but there's plenty of places to be able to every building in Salisbury used to be a pub at one time or another mm. including my own um <laughs> uh, there's plenty of places to eat and drink that's for sure
Good stuff. Okay. Uh, right. If we move on to industrial, then I think that your largest deal was an 8,000 letting at 8,000 square feet letting at Manor Farm, which, um, as the name suggests, is a pretty rural location about 10 miles west of Salisbury. Um, can you talk us through that in terms of what it's being used for and why they located there? Yeah, that particular one is a letting to a specialist art uh, company. They have a right. large um, gallery space in a grade one listed converted uh, Thai barn a little bit further out. And they were looking for they They do a lot of storage of, of, of art and, and, and marketing of art. And they needed additional facilities for that. Um, so that's why they uh, they went into that it was a, a farm conversion that a client of ours uh, had done. But um, not sure where that is, but there's probably a few more to get logged yet because there are a few other deals. I've just done a 15,000 square foot letting to a uh, specialist um, uh, well, on mainly online retailer of Japanese gardening products. Called nice. um, uh, so they've just taken a 15,000 footer um, and we've just uh, so I've got about four or five decent scale deals in hand in the sort of 15 to 20 bracket at the moment. So there's, there's quite a bit of activity around the larger space. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask, has Wiltshire managed to grab much of the action in terms of the logistics sector that's been booming all throughout lockdown? Um, we, we're, if there is anything, we're a bit short of larger logistics units. So I've got um, I've got 100,000 square feet at Amesbury Distribution Park, just down the road from Stonehenge. Um, which I've got turns out on a 35 and I've got a, an interested party in uh, in a 70. So, but we don't have th- this end of Wiltshire away from mm. the M4, um, a large amount of uh, big sheds. Um, I've been helping an occupier acquire a 95,000 foot 15 metres eaves unit at Chippenham, which uh, St Modwins are developing and that's in agreement to lease at the moment. So they're just about, they are on site building. Um, so there's more of that space as you go towards the M4 that's been either spec built or design built. But here we're a bit short on bigger sheds. You know, 20,000 square foot is a larger unit in this neck of the woods. Mm, sure. um, why do you think that is? Is that a connectivity issue or is it just that kind of land isn't really made available for commercial development? It's a bit of both. Um, it's primarily because we're not really on a strong enough transport node. So when mm. Solstice Park was developed, which I have had the joy of being involved in since 2003, and they very first put the first spade in the ground, um, 160 acres there, that was quite a brave move to develop a, new, a whole new park by the 303. Um, and that's been tremendously successful. Um, it's taken a long time to get there, but you've got home bargains with their 750,000 foot uh, your regional distribution unit. We sold a 10 acre site to Wiseman's that became Muller's for their milk distribution. They put up a 60,000 footer and Greg's have built a 50,000 square foot distribution of bakery unit there as well as lots of other smaller smaller scale stuff. So that it does show that there can be demand for that here, but land is short in supply. You know, there is no real uh, land available at the moment for new industrial development around, around the sort of South Wiltshire area. Um, we're looking to the council for, for allocating more new land and there's some work being done on that at the moment, but it's it's uh, it's definitely in short supply. Sure. OK. Uh, OK, moving on, to, moving on to offices. How tough has that market been this year um, and what signs of recovery are you starting to see now? Yeah, very tough. I mean, last year, take up was not quite zero, but was fairly close. <laughs> this year, it's been a bit better, but uh, it's taking time. And as I alluded to earlier, I think that 
it's only really now that occupiers are beginning to wake up to say, okay, right, you know, we now have more of a picture of what we're going to need and how we're going to need to be. We've not seen lots of people giving space up, which is which is good. There's a little bit of shuffling around going on. I've just let three and a half thousand square foot of Warner House, which is a sort of really nicely refurbished building, 1980s built, but clients bought it. it used to be Friends Provident. They moved out um, when they were taken over by Aviva. I bought it as a shell, completely refurbished it from top to bottom, just in time for the pandemic. Um, <laughs> yeah, ideal. Uh, but we've managed to let um, about 15,000 square feet in there altogether so far, which is good. So we've just let 3,500 to a pet insurance business that was local, that's developing and growing. Um, and uh, and there's other sort of smaller lettings going on in there, which is which is good. And it's interesting that quality speaks, you know, that there are older buildings that are, that are a struggle, but they, people have gone there, they're paying a pretty good rent in our terms um, to go into a quality refurbished building. And it does show that that's what people need. Sure. OK, I mean, how important how important a part of the overall mix are our offices? Um, who are the big employers there and what sort of footprint footprints do they have? Well, that's changed significantly. So mm. if you'd asked me that question, um, you know, 15 years ago, we had friends like friends problem became friends life who were in a hundred thousand square feet of offices in the city centre. Um, James Hay pension trustees uh, have got about forty thousand, um, and there was another pension management company, uh, Rowan Moore, who is now part of Embark Group. They were in probably twenty five. But there's been consolidation in those sectors. So as I say, friends problem were taken over by Aviva. Aviva decided that they didn't need to have a separate operation here in Salisbury and close those two offices completely. Um, the big one was demolished and is now McCarthy and Stone, and the other one is Warner House, which was refurbished and has remained as offices. So we've had quite a change in some of those big occupiers going. Um, most of the rest of the uh, demand tends to be from the sort of professional services sector, so lawyers, accountants, um, IFAs, that type of thing. And uh, and they tend to be you know more local, smaller scale businesses in the up to about five to six thousand foot bracket. I think probably the, the two next largest office occupiers here are both lawyers. Mm. I mean, sort of twenty twenty five thousand feet, and then everything else is sort of below that in terms of scale. Sure. But I think we've seen we've seen a few other builds. There was a Capita. Um, also had a pension management uh, business here in forty thousand. Um, they sold that business to James Hay, but the office was closed. And I sold that last year. It's being converted under PD to flats. Okay. Um, is that a thing you think is going to happen with a lot more use types? Um, the kind of you know conversion to residential. I mean, is there the demand for it? Yeah, demand for residential is strong, and I think that we will see more conversion of upper parts and surplus space um, and older space that's just less suitable for what people are going to want for the next 15 to 20 years going to residential. Um, it's a better use of that accommodation, really. And there seems to be a, a desire for city centre living. So I think we'll, we don't seem to see much hold up in the um, desire of people to live in the city centre because you can walk everywhere, you can jump on the train, you can get where you need to be. Sure. Okay. Uh, now, if you had a magic wand, uh, what's the first thing you do to improve the fortunes of commercial real estate in Wiltshire? Oh, magic wand. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I, I, I get that Stonehenge tunnel, Doug. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you might be aware that it was all about to go and then there was a judicial review and it was decided that they hadn't quite taken correctly into account some of the archaeological issues, so it's gone back to be re-looked at. Um, but that's such a significant roadway for Wiltshire, cutting right across, linking us to London, linking us to the West Country, um, getting, that, getting that bottleneck out uh, would really open up this part of the world. And whilst I'm sure you know, there are lots of very important reasons for making sure the decisions are done right, I think that ultimately they, they've got to do something about improving that road. Um, uh, if nothing else, actually to make it more environmentally friendly, because there's no, it's not environmentally friendly having queues of traffic every weekend, people sitting there waiting to get through the bottleneck. So um, although they've got a lot of work to do, I think you know that, that would be key. The other thing we've actually had already, and it wasn't my magic wand, it was partly um, brought about by our MP, was we are now a full fibre city. Oh, so right. um, partly as part of recovery from the Novichok, they were, the uh, open reach were looking to sort of really go forward with getting uh, the, you know, the full fibre connectivity rolled out um, and they were persuaded, uh, cajoled into choosing Salisbury as the location to have that you know, intense effort rather than just as they go, get everywhere done in one go. Mm. So throughout the city now, you can get full fibre to premises connectivity, um, uh, you know, without any, up to a, up to a gig, without any restrictions um, straight away, which is a fantastic, you know, marketing tool for us for anybody who wants to operate here because it's just so important now. Mm. Was that in place for the you know the darkest days of lockdown in January, February this year when everyone yeah. was yeah. completely reliant? Wow. It was. Um, uh, I think that the first when was it finished? It was finished in late nineteen, beginning of, of twenty twenty. So obviously the, the being able to get it connected, there were some restrictions because obviously they couldn't go into people's premises and all that kind mm. of thing. Um, yeah, a lot, we, I think we already had it into ours and it was it was a great help, a great help. Okay, um, just finally then, also on the kind of internet technology side of things, um, you signed up to become part of the Radius community this year. Um, how are you finding using it and what benefits are you seeing? Um, yeah, so we, we're, obviously we've always been a contributor uh, to the stats, so we like to, you know, keep to contribute to that. Obviously, we'd like to blow our own trumpet too, but I think it's interesting to see where where, where you peg against everybody else. Um, being the predominant agent in the area, we, did, we tend to be the source of information uh, for a lot of people, so um, we, uh, we, we tend to be the, the, the provider of information rather than the gatherer. Um, but yeah, I can see there's some great tools there to, to help us sort of pick up pictures and trends for the future. Perfect. Okay, great stuff. Well, on that note, I think we'll bring things to a close. Thank you ever so much for your time. Thanks so much, Jim. Thanks. Bye.